1: In December 1969, 25-year-old Diane Maxwell Jackson lived in Houston, Texas. Diane was born on May 12, 1944, in Louisiana. At some point, her family moved to the Houston area. Her father owned a construction company. Diane graduated from high school in 1962. In 1965, she got married and had a son. But the marriage didn't last, and by 1969, Diane was divorced and raising her four-year-old son. She worked as a telephone operator in downtown Houston. Here is a quick word from our sponsor.
0: We take this few seconds off to inform you, our valued loyal listener, about the best health and fitness podcast shows. From the Nespod Studios. Join us as we give you the best of the best health and wellness updates you can rely on for the treatment of chronic health problems.
1: On the afternoon of Sunday, December 14, 1969, Diane drove a red Ford Mustang to work. Since it was Sunday, the downtown core was mostly empty. Tragically, Diane never made it inside her workplace. Over 30 minutes after Diane should have started her shift, a 35-year-old unhomed man named Willie Bell Jr. noticed something unusual. He saw a man walking away from a shack behind an abandoned service station ...that was next to the parking lot. He decided to check the shack. 25-year-old Diane Maxwell Jackson was inside of it. She was nude except for her bra. Her hands were bound behind her back. Belle went and called the police. By the time they arrived on scene, Diane had died. Inside the shack, the police found a pink blanket and a man's suit jacket... But they weren't sure if either item belonged to the killer or if they were in the shack before the murder. Diane's purse was found in the shack. Her purse didn't have any money in it and her car keys were gone. The police believe that Diane drove to work but she was kidnapped before she could enter the building. The police interviewed Willie Bell Jr. The only description he could give of the man he saw leaving the shack was that he was black with an afro. Nine hours after the murder, the police found Diane's car. It was abandoned about a mile from the crime scene. It was locked and the keys were in the ignition. The police checked the car and they found three fingerprints and a partial palm print. An autopsy was performed on Diane. It was determined that she had been raped. She had been stabbed once in the abdomen with what the medical examiner called surgical precision. The single stab wound had cut a main artery. The stab was so precise that the medical examiner thought that the killer had some medical training. The police's first suspect was Willie Bell Jr. However, his fingerprints didn't match those found in the car. The problem was that in 1969, there was no computerized system for fingerprints so fingerprints had to be manually compared one by one. Since the police didn't have a suspect, they started comparing the fingerprints to black men who were arrested recently. Then they started fingerprinting black men who hung out downtown, which, unfortunately, was not considered controversial at the time. They also focused on black men who worked in healthcare. care. Yet, yeah, they didn't find a match to the prints. The murder haunted Diane's father. He desperately wanted the case solved. But then months and then years went by and no persons of interest emerged. 17 long years passed. Then in 1986, Diane's brother, David, became a member of the Texas Rangers. One of the reasons he got into law enforcement was so that he could hopefully solve Diane's murder. Around the same time, the Houston Police Department purchased an APHIS system. Avis stands for Automated Fingerprint Identification System. It's a computerized system that quickly compares unknown prints to the prints of people who had been arrested. Dave requested that the fingerprints of his sister's killer be compared to those who had been arrested. He thought that his sister's killer must have committed another crime. He didn't think he could just rape and murder a woman and then go on to live life as a law-abiding citizen. But... No match to the Prince was found. Without any other clues to follow up on, the case went cold again. Another 17 years passed, bringing us to 2003. It had been 34 years since Diane Maxwell was murdered. Had she been alive, she would have been 59. Her only son was 38. Her father was now 88, and he was desperate to see the case closed before he died. His son and Diane's brother, David, was still a Texas Ranger and he wanted to have the case closed to grant his father's wish and for his own peace of mind. David and Diane's father said he constantly dreamed about Diane and he thought about her all the time. David Maxwell decided to ask his friend Jim Ramsey for help investigating his sister's murder. Ramsey was a veteran homicide detective with the Houston Police Department. They had been friends for years, but Ramsey had no idea that David's sister had been murdered. David said he didn't want people to give him sympathy, so he kept that part of his life private. As we just went over, much had changed in the 34 years since Diane had been murdered. One major change was that DNA had become an incredibly powerful crime-fighting tool. Ramsey thought if they could have Diane's clothes tested for DNA, it might help them solve the crime. Unfortunately, fortunately, the clothing had been destroyed. David and Ramsey also learned that the crime scene photos and the negatives were missing. But they thought they caught a lucky break because someone had violated the rules. Someone with access to the photos had sold them to a British crime magazine, Master Detective, in 1971. Ramsey contacted the publisher. Unfortunately, they didn't have the photos or the negatives. The only thing they had was a single copy of the edition. Because it was their only copy, they didn't want to send it to Ramsey and David. Ramsey convinced them to photocopy the article and send it to them. However, when they received the photocopy of the article, they realized that the photos were useless to their investigation. Undeterred, David and Ramsey tried to track down the only witness to the crime, Willie Bell Jr., they learned he had moved out to California, but he had been dead for nearly 20 years. At the very least, they had the fingerprints. David knew they existed because they were compared to other fingerprints in 1986. But David was shocked to learn that the fingerprints were not the case file. In 1986, the fingerprints that were saved in AFIS were of known people who had been arrested in Houston. It didn't store the fingerprints of unknown offenders but it didn't appear that the fingerprints were destroyed. Instead, they were probably filed incorrectly and they were in another open case file. Unfortunately, if that was the case, then there was a good chance that they would never be found. It would not be like looking for a needle in a haystack. Instead, it would be looking for a very specific piece of straw in a haystack. Without the fingerprints, there was no evidence left to investigate. But, since it was the only piece of evidence they knew existed, Every day, someone in the latent Fingerprints Department looked for the prints in the open case files. This included open files on every type of crime like assault, burglaries, car thefts, and etc. They spent months looking for the prints. But then, David Maxwell and Jim Ramsey's luck began to change. Someone finally found the prints. But there was still a problem. If the killer had not been arrested again They would not have his fingerprints on file, and the case might go cold again and remain that way forever. First the fingerprints were compared to fingerprints at the Texas State Database, but no match was found. The fingerprints were then run through the FBI's National Database. The database just went online three years earlier. They found twenty potential matches. Those 20 sets of fingerprints were mainly compared to the fingerprints found in Diane's car. One set of prints was an exact match. They were the fingerprints of a 58-year-old man named James Ray Davis. He had a long criminal record and he had spent half his life in prison. He had convictions for burglary, possession of stolen property, and vehicle theft. In the early 1990s, he was released from prison after being convicted of kidnapping a young girl. In December 1969, Davis had been out prison for five days before Diane was killed. He was arrested about a month later for auto theft outside of Texas, which is why his fingerprints were not in the Houston Police Department system or the State of Texas database. Here is a quick word from our sponsor.
0: We take this few seconds off to inform you, our valued loyal listener, about the best health and fitness podcast shows Enjoy the show.
1: Since being released in the early 1990s, he had been living in a federally funded housing complex in Texarkana on the Texas and Arkansas border. He had been a model citizen since his release. In August 2003, Jim Ramsey went to Davis's apartment to question him. One of the problems with the fingerprints was that they were only found in the car. They weren't found in the shack where the murder was committed. As we mentioned, there was no other evidence. So, if Davis had another explanation for why his fingerprints were in the car, like he found the car abandoned and with joyriding, their investigation may come to a full stop and the case would never be solved. When Ramsey showed Davis a photograph of Diane Maxwell's car, he averted his eyes. He claimed he had never seen the car before. Ramsey thought that this was not odd statement because it was a red Ford Mustang. He doubted that Davis had never seen one in his entire life. He then took out a photo of Diane and tried to hand it to Davis. He refused to take it. Ramsey then told him they had matched his fingerprints to those in the car. Davis then confessed to Diane's murder. He said he had been hanging outside the parking lot of Diane's work. When he started pulling into the parking lot, he planned to rob her. He walked up to her and pressed his knife into her abdomen. He then led her to the shack. He said that he robbed her, but he denied raping her. He then stabbed her. He got into her car and drove off. After the confession, James Davis was arrested. In November 2003, 34 years after the murder of Diane Maxwell, James Davis pleaded guilty to her murder. In January 2004, he was sentenced to life in prison. Both Jim Ramsey and David Maxwell believe that a little something extra was at work that helped them solve the case. Ramsey told Forensic Files that the odds of them closing the case were a billion to one, so he believes that there was divine intervention at play. He also believes that David's unselfish life may have led God to say, I'll give him a break with this case. No matter what you believe, Ramsey and David did overcome amazing odds to close the case. Diane's father lived long enough to see Davis arrested and convicted. He was apparently ecstatic when he learned of Davis's arrest. He died in 2010 at the age of 95. The life sentence for James Ray Davis was not too long. When he was arrested, he was in bad health. He lived for another three and a half years after he was convicted. He died in prison in June 2007 at the age of 62. This will conclude the episode. Thanks for tuning in. If you like what you hear, please leave a comment and subscribe. Thank you.